0: What's going on, YouTube? It's your favorite DJ's favorite DJ, DJ Scanless here. We're back with another Tupac related news video. For this one, I'm going to break down the recent news that a gangster admits that he killed Tupac Shakur and boasts about it just being another day at the office in a new book. Let's get it. Alright, guys, so before we get into this video, I want to let you guys know I'm going to have some new Tupac news videos about songs he did with Jodeci and John B, as well as Tupac's bandana's going up for auction. You can check it out at YouTube.com scanless talk. we're on the website The Sun here, and we have this great article here by Emma Perry and James Desborough. Self-confessed criminal Keefe D. Davis delivered a detailed breakdown of how he and his nephew Orlando Anderson, Baby Lane, shot Tupac dead and then fled the scene in a memoir of his life called Compton Street Legend. The gangster insists while he has some remorse for the murder for a cultural music icon, Tupac was no angel. He goes on to say, I don't understand why people act like Tupac was an angel. The homie busted on some off duty cops in Atlanta a few years earlier, he writes in this book. He added that the moral of the story was real gangsters are nothing to fuck with, it's a ruthless way of life. For us, Vegas was another day at the office. He added that although it sounds cold-hearted, the killings of Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls are considered just as collateral damage from a street perspective. In Keefy's new book, he wrote about how he helped secure a gun to murder Tupac as revenge for Pac beating up his nephew, Orlando Anderson, after the Mike Tyson fight at the MGM Grand in September of 1996. Then he helped coordinate a team of fellow LA gangsters to help kill him and fellow rap icon and owner of Death Row Records, Suge Knight.
1: Well, the explanation is relatively simple. The Southside Crips, uh, you know, from, the, from Compton, were in Las Vegas to see the fight and the party, as was Suge and Tupac and uh, other Death Row people and also members of the Mob Pyrou. But a couple of the Southside Crips had gotten into a squabble with a couple of guys um, from the Mob Pyrou. Before the Tyson fight had even started,
0: a fight took place at the MGM hotel. After which, Orlando Anderson accused Chewbacca of beating him up and leaving him with a damaged shoulder.
1: Um, which is the thing we see on the video on the MGM Grand, where a guy named Trayvon Lane from the Mile Pyru walks over tells Tupac, hey, there's an enemy at the gate, and points across. And there's Orlando Anderson from the Southside Crips uh, loitering around, waiting to hook up with his uncle and some other Southside Crips. So after Trayvon points Orlando out to Tupac, Tupac takes it upon himself to run over and attack Orlando. And then the other mob pirates jump in and, you know, uh, the beatdown is underway.
0: Pac's friends already had issues with Orlando and Keefe over a previous fight in Lakewood, California, so tensions had escalated. Keefe wrote, we couldn't let no record company gangsters do us like that. Had they lost their effing rapping ass minds? Keefe also made accusations about Tupac over alleged bribes and payoffs not being repaid. He wrote that the fight where Orlando meant strike three, homie, you're out. At the time, Tupac was on parole for his sexual abuse charge that he had in 94. So him being in California, he would be out of state, as well as being in an altercation with Orlando Anderson, which could be viewed as assault. So right there, there's three strikes. Keefe goes on to say that he was given a Glock pistol by New York-based Pal Z before they began their hunt at Knight's Club 662. And this goes on to say that they didn't see Tupac and Chuck Knight at the club. However, they met up with him in traffic, just accidentally.
1: So they're kind of lying in wait baked out at the 662 club. But there's security posted up at the place. There's other mob pyroos doing security around the place. And so the Southside Crips kind of get hinked up. And they leave the 662 club and go to a liquor store. They're going down the street. And just as fate would have it, Suge's entourage is coming the other direction, coming from Suge's house on their way to 662. the guys in the Cadillac, you know, pass in the opposite direction. They do a U-turn. And then they, you know, start to maneuver um, alongside
0: Suge Knight's entourage. And this is the crazy part because he said that when he rolled up on Tupac, Tupac made an erratic move and began to reach beneath his seat as if he was reaching for a gun. Kivi went to say, "One of my guys from the back seat grabbed a Glock and started busting back. The first shot skinned Suge Knight in the head. I thought he was dead. I heard stories that Suge supposedly used Tupac as a shield when the bullets started flying. That's some bullshit. Suge was already wounded." KVD Davis says that he has some remorse over the killing, but is adamant that the rapper and his pals shouldn't have messed with his nephew Orlando. He was a talented artist with tons of potential to impact the world. I hate that Tupac's family, friends, and fans, especially his mother, had to go through that pain of losing her son. However, I stand firm on the point that Tupac, Suge Knight, and the rest of those didn't have any business putting their hands on my beloved nephew, Baby Lane. Period
1: over with a fine tooth comb the Las Vegas Instincts. We're going to draft up our report as regarding that specific thing and then we're going to cover a few other things that we do have to uh, emphasize to you that everything in this report has to be right on because if down the road it's determined that some of these details are incorrect then everything's off the table. So everything in this report cannot be like that report. Hey, I want to say this though too. I feel, uh, like I said that day, don't bullshit me and I won't bullshit y'all. You know what I'm saying? Okay, Lane starts blasting. You say should looks over, he sees you. He looks right at you. Yeah, he looks at Why are you looking right at me?
0: Fucking Lord, he tells since we were seven, eight years old.
1: When he looks over at you and then, you know, Tupac's busy getting shot. Evidently, the story is Tupac's trying to either get out of the line. back seat or something. Yeah, what do you see happening inside there?
0: I seen a bully
1: going through yeah,
0: again. I thought he was dead. I thought he was dead. So Orlando shot <laughs> him. across Dre.
1: He leaned over on the window. We rolled down the window. popped. Him. Who was it? The they was drove on my side. I was popped. Him. You know what I'm saying? But they was on the other side. Right.
0: If you aren't familiar with this confession, you can check out the book on Amazon. You can also check out Tuboc and Biggie the Unsolved series, which was on USA Network. That details the overall Tubak case and why it was never solved, as well as the K V D confession and the reason why he hasn't been arrested for the murder of Tubak Shakur.
1: He was under, he was in a very precarious situation. Part of our investigation was to put him into a position where he would be compelled to talk to us. So we built a drug case against him, he's a you know, well-known drug dealer, and we built an ironclad drug case against him, um, which was going to land him in prison for a considerable amount of time. And we approached him, asked him if he would be willing to cooperate under these conditions of a proper session. He called an attorney. The attorney came into the U.S. Attorney's Office with KPD, e. And a, an agreement was made where we would talk to KPD. E. He would provide us information that we could not use. He was protected by his Fifth Amendment rights. We couldn't
0: use his confession against him. So what do you guys think about this? Do you think KPD e. is actually the one responsible for Tupac's murder back in 1996? Or do you still feel like it was Shug Knight or some conspiracy with the FBI or CIA? For me, I always felt like it was Orlando Anderson because Tupac did be in down several hours before the shooting actually occurred. So for me, it just seemed like payback. Alright guys, so if you're familiar with this topic here, I recently did a video on my DJ Skinless channel about a week ago and it goes over the uncle of Orlando Anderson, the crypt that Tupac beat down, at the MGM Grand a couple hours before he got shot. He details in his new book that Tupac and Notorious B.I.G.'s murder were all damage. And he details that him and his nephew, Orlando, were the main triggermen behind the shooting of Tupac Shakur. In that video, we talk about how Orlando was the gunman and Keefe D. was riding passenger in the car. We also talk about how Keefe was able to admit that him and his nephew played a role in Tupac's murder without being arrested. And this is because they built up a drug case on Keefe and they basically got him to admit this information. So we got this article here, and it says, A former detective claims to know who killed late rapper and wants the alleged murderer behind bars now. Greg Kading, the former detective who worked with the Los Angeles Police Department on Tupac and Biggie Small's murder cases, says he wants to arrest immediately. Kading Blaze's infamous Los Angeles gangster Dwayne Kvd Davis should be arrested and charged for the role in the rapper's death. According to an interview Kading did with Daily Star, Kvd confessed to his involvement in the Tupac Shakur murder on several occasions. Kvd may not have been the Triggerman, but he has admitted to being in the car that fired upon Suge Knight's BMW on September 7, 1996, fatally wounding Tupac, who was the passenger. Kading goes on to say D should be arrested. KVD is a self-confessed murderer. He has confessed publicly multiple times about his role in the murder of Tupac. He continued, I cannot think of any case in American crime history where a confessing murderer is allowed to continue to go speak blatantly about his involvement in the crime. It is unprecedented. Kading also says that D admitted to getting the handgun that was used during the incident for the alleged shooter, Orlando Baby Lane Anderson, which is his nephew. He also has allegedly confessed to a crime in a book and documentaries about the murder of Tupac. We also have the same article on The Sun, but it goes in more detail about it. And in this article, Greg says, By doing these interviews and in this book, Keefe is out there profiting from Tupac while mocking law enforcement in the gang world. It is very risky because Tupac has some of the most devout fans in the world. And in that urban gang culture, it is unpredictable what the consequences may be. He goes on to say that Keefe D becomes a bigger target within his own circle. And there was also a rumor a couple years ago that Keefe was actually confessing to this crime because he had cancer, I believe. And Greg goes on to say... I understand that he is unwell and he may not have long to live, so he wants to earn money for his family. He's not doing this with moral conviction. It is about taking advantage. KVD came in for questioning under conditions of a proffer agreement, which allows him to tell the truth without risk of self-incrimination. So when we asked him about what he knew about the murder of Biggie Smalls, he said, I don't know who killed Biggie Smalls. That one wasn't us. So what do you guys think? Do you think there should be a arrest made? Do you think... E. is just doing this for publicity now? Or do you think the LAPD is really behind this and he really tried to get KeeFeeDee on something to admit to something that he wasn't actually involved in to save their own ass? For me, I always feel like it was Orlando Anderson the whole time. And it's just kind of crazy that someone come out and admit it after all these years and nothing really happens. All right, guys, so we're on Hypebeast.com. The title reads, Two box of course bandanas and hotel bills are up for auction. In late 2019, Gotta Have Rock and Roll launched the Rock and Roll Pop Culture Auction, which included a vast array of collectible memorabilia from artists that included Michael Jackson, Lil' Kim, The Beatles, and Banksy. The sale has now received a fresh array of goods, including seven new Tupac pieces. Frequently seen wearing one of his many bandanas, Tupac's headwear of choice became a signature of sorts, making the two examples included in this auction the collection's crown jewels. Provided by a very close friend of Tupac, blue pre-tied and untied red options are both on hand. Each are estimated to sell for $2,000 to $4,000 United States dollars. This also goes on to say that there's a Polaroid photograph of Tupac and the Outlaw mortal groups, and that's estimated to also sell around $2,000. There's also a handwritten envelope with a letter sent from Tupac to a woman named Simi Kuhan, an original Death Row Records press release for All Eyes Me Book 1 and 2 for $200, and bills from Tupac's 1996 hotel stay, complete with a signed receipt. Says they'll come with a signature of authenticity, and the bidding is set to end at the beginning of April. Also, we got this other news here on HipHopDX. This is from a month ago where Casey and JoJo were talking about the song that they did with Tupac called How Do You Want It from the All Eyes of Me Apple. They interviewed JoJo Haley on recording How Do You Want It with Tupac and Special Soul Adventure. When HipHopDX asked what was it like working with Tupac on the song How Do You Want It, how did that all come together? JoJo replied, it came together because we were always connected with Death Row at this point in time. Tupac, he was working with this particular song one night. Casey and myself, we went up in the studio, Death Row Compound, and he was in the studio. So he said, come here, to check this out. Tupac was singing it, but I'm going to tell you, he was the worst. He was like, how do you want it? How do you feel? Like he was thugged out because he got that mentality. You got to remember, that's the thug you're talking about. So Casey looked at me, and I looked at Casey. He said, can you do something like that? I was like, yeah, but not that way. So what I did was take care of the words, made the melody out of it, and it just works. Hip Hop DX went on to say, so basically, down on mean on the hook. JoJo said, yeah. He was a thug, like, how do you want it? How do you feel? I was like, okay, no. So you basically had to refine it. Yeah, I tried to put my own melody on it. I had to make people not be scared of it because he had it somewhat sound like a threat. And here's a brief clip of JoJo actually talking about the song. Tupac,
1: he had started uh, doing, like, 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 you like, how do you want? He started that? Yeah, how do you feel? That's how he did it, yeah. We walk in, how you want? How do you feel? I need y'all to come in on that part right there, if y'all can. <laughs> I, I looked at KC, KC looked at me, KC was like, and I just shrugged his shoulders. And I was like, I'm not going to do it that way. Now we can do how do you want it. Hey. How do you feel? Say what? And when I'm, you sang it that way, he I bet you Pop was like, okay. He had no choice. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it wouldn't have been a hit if he would have did it his way. Right, That's right. True.
0: Y'all it. And it blows me away because we had John B. not too long ago. And right. Tupac gave him the melody for Are You Still Down? What I found really interesting, though, is they kind of downplay how good of a song it was, even without them. The original version actually features Tupac on the hook only. And there's another version, I believe, with Michele singing over top. Definitely, this song would not have been a hit without Casey and JoJo. And if it was just Tupac, I don't think it would have been as big of a hit either. However, I think they could have filled in another singer on there, such as Danny Boy. And would have probably been almost just as good on the charts. However, Tupac has so many songs with Danny Boy on the All Eyes of Me album. And What's Your Phone Number, I Ain't Mad At Ya, as well as Heaven Ain't Hard to Find and Picture Me Rolling. So if Danny Boy was on that song, it would have just been overpowering on the album how many songs he was actually featured on. And there's actually rumor that Danny Boy actually provided vocals for the song too, but they actually got Casey and JoJo to actually refine the vocals yet again since Danny Boy was already on multiple songs. And here's a brief clip of Tupac actually singing the hook. I'm not going to play it with the instrumental because I don't want to copyright, so you can just hear his vocals.
1: How do you want it? How does it feel?
0: Coming
1: up, it's the Nick in the Cash Game, living in the fast lane, um,
0: for real. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think How Do You Want it would have been a big hit if it was just Tupac on the hook or not? Or do you think Casey and JoJo brought that whole different style into it, an b like style that gave the song more diversity and appeal to a wider range of people? It's kind of interesting because when you take Tupac's vocals and you put it underneath Casey and JoJo on the song, you know, since I'm a DJ, I can do stuff like that. When I do that, Tupac's vocals do not line up with the right parts of the beat that Casey and JoJo are on. That's kind of crazy because Johnny J actually talked about this song before, and he said that Tupac's vocals were offbeat, and that's why they didn't use the hook. But he actually mixed in the hook towards the end of the song. You can hear Tupac and Casey and JoJo blended together towards the end of the song. Also, guys, tell me what how you feel about his bandanas going up for auction. If you think that's a fair price or overpriced, would you actually buy them? Let me know in the comments below. This is DJ Skinner signing out. Peace out.